11th of September is a date none of us will ever or should ever forget. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a thundery England. Should I say anything on the program that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me, causes you to choke on your wheatos, please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Good morning on a very humid and sticky and thundery morning. All hell is about to break loose, I suspect, outside my window, but we'll just have to brace ourselves. You know, every year when it gets to September the 11th or 9-11, as, as you call it, over your side of the pond, it's one of those days it's impossible to avoid. It's one of those dates where... All those of us who remember it, you know, we all know where we were. We know where we were the day the World Trade Center was attacked. We remember all those terrible details, the mobile phone calls from the passengers on those planes. Uh, We remember sitting helplessly in front of our television sets, watching that tragedy unfolding. And I was actually talking about it to my children just the other day because, of course, they don't remember it and they don't sort of know what the fuss is about. And it was because we were watching a film. It was Home Alone 2, believe it or not, uh, Lost in New York, I think it's called, where, where Macaulay Culkin ends up being dumped in New York. His family go to Miami. He ends up in New York. They end up on the wrong plane, a mix-up that could never happen today, but probably couldn't happen even at the time. And there's a scene where he climbs to the top of the World Trade Center and he's looking at the view of New York from the top of one of the towers. And they, of course, didn't recognize it because it's not there anymore. And, you know, we were talking about how it felt and everyone had stories I remember the day after September the 11th, I was on a train. I was going to meet my boyfriend, as he was then, now is my husband. And just in the aisle across from me on the train, I could hear an elderly American couple talking. I recognised their accents. And I did something very un-British and started to talk to them. It's one of these things, it's really noticeable over here. I don't know what it's like in the US. On public transport, people do not communicate with complete strangers. You sit there, you look, in, you look at your book, or now you look at your phone, you have your headphones on, uh, you look out of the window, you don't get into conversations with complete strangers. It's just one of those things that just doesn't happen. But somehow I felt I couldn't let that moment pass. And so I you know, said good morning to them when we, we got chatting. And you know, we, we ended up having quite an involved conversation all the way to Oxford, where we were getting, I was going to walk into the arms of my beloved and they were going off sightseeing. And it did make me aware that a tragedy like that brings people together at the very same time that nations turn on one another. So, you know, I think we we remember, but we remember with hope and remember that evil will never have the last word. You know, that's perhaps what we have to take from that. September the 11th was the beginnings for me of my turning against the left-wing groups I'd been heavily involved with as a student, because what really shocked me and what I've never been able to forget is that when it happened, people in that movement were praising the terrorist attacks or at least excusing killings. Now they know what it feels like. Yes, these these imperialist colonial capitalists, they know how it feels to have, you know, 
bloodshed on your own ground, you know, maybe they'll think twice about da, 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 this, this sort of thing, you know, really malicious, really vindictive. And the fact is, at the time, I had a relative in the rubble somewhere. So it was hitting me very personally. But I can honestly say after over 15 years working for the pro-life movement, I never heard a pro-life campaigner celebrate when an abortionist died or an abortion supporter died. Not ever. When, um, what's her name, who was responsible for Roe v. Wade, Sarah Waddington, when she died, um, you know, people prayed for her. When renowned atheist Christopher Hitchens died, again, people prayed for his soul. When Tiller was murdered, we were very quick to condemn that anybody would do that. And yet social justice warriors were jubilant when thousands of Americans were killed. I couldn't make it make any sense. That was it was a, a terrible sort of a reckoning time of reckoning for me. So you know, the the fact is that the shadow of that event hangs over all of us. And I think perhaps, just perhaps, we need to have something to brighten up the day today. I think there's going to be a lot of commentary about September the 11th all day today, and rightly so. But maybe we just need to take a deep breath and try to think of something positive to talk about today. Good morning, Lady Bellamine. Lots of people signing into the chat room. Um, Jacqueline, oh my goodness, and the, the pictures of yeah, um, I'm not even going to look at that just at the moment, if you don't mind, Juliet Bravo, that's because it's going to bring it all flooding back. It is, weirdly enough today, um, though somewhat overshadowed by the inevitable, National Make Your Bed Day, National Patriot Day and National Hot Cross Bun Day. Do you even have hot cross buns in the US? I thought this was a British thing. Um I'm, I'm fascinated that this has made its way across the Atlantic. Uh, it is something that is completely associated over here. You see, I'm, you see, I'm doing what I always do. Sensitive subject, upsetting subject, food. Wonderful. Yes, let's talk about food. What can possibly go wrong talking about food? Um, hot cross bun day. Yes. Hot cross buns, they have a very strong religious significance over here, though, of course, most people haven't a clue, and are traditionally served on Good Friday. It's your snack. When you break your fast, you have hot cross buns. Thanks to capitalism and secularism, they're now available all year round. But that is when you are supposed to eat hot cross buns. And I know a few purists who will never eat them any other time of the year. I must admit, I'm very, very partial to hot cross buns. As to National Make Your Bed Day, can I just ask, um, <clears throat> do you really need a national day to remember to do that? Um, we were always told you, the first thing you do in the morning is you make your bed because then you've, you've achieved something. So when you, when you come back to the, your room at the end of the day, if you've had a tough day, if you're exhausted, if you're fed up, your bed is all nice and smooth and ready for you to go to sleep in. And it actually helps psychological, psychologically to have made your bed. I don't know whether I'm just an ex-boarding school girl who's petrified of the idea of not making my bed, but I just find it funny that that's something that needs, needs its own national day. It's like, National Remember to Breathe Day. But anyway, okay, I have, a, I have a silly story which does not involve food. What is, come on, be honest now. It's Monday morning, the chat room's fairly quiet, you can be brave. What is the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you? 
What is the moment of your life when you have felt silliest, when you have seriously considered going round in public with a paper bag over your head for the rest of your days? I'm saying this in honour of one of my children, who will remain nameless, who went off to the fun fair at the weekend. Yay, the fun fair came, came to town and it was wonderful and there were dodgem cars, bumper cars. You call them bumper cars in the US, dodgems, we call them here. Um, there were fast rides, there was a ghost train, you name it, there it was. You could buy candy floss and donuts and you could uh, do rifle shooting. You, you, I think it's almost exactly the same both sides of the Atlantic. It's the fun fair. It's a great celebration. And so all the children went at different points with their own groups of friends. And one of my children uh, went to the fun fair and had to be brought home early because he threw up on one of the rides. Yeah. And he was so mortified he had to come home and let's face it, he needed a change of clothes. So in his honour this morning, what is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? And would you would you be able to face the people in front of whom it happened? I'm asking this question because a man in the US, this is absolutely true, I had to double check this story was for real. Um, a man in Florida, in fact, was arrested after he tried to run to London across the Atlantic in a human-sized inflatable hamster wheel. Let me just say that again. A Florida man was arrested after he tried to run to London across the Atlantic in a human-sized inflatable hamster wheel. And there's actually a photograph of this thing, this contraption on the beach, and it does look pretty spectacular, but by no stretch of the imagination does it look seaworthy. He was intercepted by Coast Guard 70 miles off the Georgia coast. So he got some way... He got 70 miles out. Um, his name was Reza Bellucci. He was 44 years old. So he wasn't a kid. He, he did know that this was probably not a great idea. And um, he said he was planning to travel to London. And the Coast Guard stated, based on the condition of the ves vessel, which was afloat as a result of wiring and buoys, um, determined that Bellucci was conducting a manifestly unsafe voyage. It was described as a giant metal drum with inflatable boys on either side and paddles powered by a runner inside. I just think this is such a funny idea. I almost think it's a shame he got arrested. <clears throat> However, he could not provide registration papers for his water vessel and threatened to kill himself with a 12-inch knife if anyone tried to stop him and then claimed he had a bomb on board when they tried forcibly to remove him. There was a two-day standoff. A two-day standoff with this man sitting in his hamster wheel when he finally admitted that he did not really have a bomb on board. They then got him to leave the vessel a day later. So he is facing criminal charges for this. And I don't know about you, I, I initially thought it was quite funny. I just thought, well, people, there, there is a history of this, isn't there? You know, people sitting in barrels and going over Niagara Falls and things like that, doing things that we would regard as incredibly foolhardy. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with taking risks like that, but 
generally speaking, they aren't stopped. And is this any different? Is this just some adventurer having having fun? And um, I was discussing this with a friend and she said, well, no, it's not acceptable because the Coast Guard would eventually have had to rescue him or not. If he got too far out into the Atlantic, that contraption would eventually have gone down and it is quite likely that they would not have reached him in time. You know, that it was it was safer to intercept him closer to the shore, get him back on land. It was an incredibly stupid thing to do. It was not seaworthy. It was very dangerous. And when you are reliant on someone to rescue you, you do put other people's lives at risk. That was her view. <clears throat> I don't know. Is this just a massively embarrassing thing that somebody's done, which they will one day regret once they've been through a public trial trying to justify it? Or is it a bit of fun and he should have been allowed to get on with it? Or were the Coast Guard absolutely correct reining him in before he could kill himself or kill somebody else? Um, just, just wondering. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. And we have been talking about, well, inevitably, we have been talking about September the 11th. It's that anniversary again. And the way it changed the world, it really changed the world. But I'm sort of sidestepping away because I'm guessing you're going to hear a lot about September the 11th today. And have retreated into the happy world of National Hot Cross Bun Day. Do we like hot cross buns? Do we eat hot cross buns? Do they have the Good Friday significance in the US that they have over here? There is something warming about a nice toasted hot cross bun with lots of butter and maybe jam. Yes, hot cross buns are very, very safe. It's also make your bed day. Is anybody going to admit in the chat room that they never make their bed unless it's National Make Your Bed Day? I'm really curious to know. Also, a Florida man has been arrested and is facing criminal charges after he tried to run to London across the Atlantic in a human-sized inflatable hamster wheel he had made. There was a two-day standoff. He threatened to kill himself with a knife. He then claimed he had a bomb on board. Uh, he did virtually everything he could to make the Coast Guard go away, but they refused to go away and leave him to drown in this contraption. But I'm just asking, you know, do you think he should have just been left alone and, you know, it's his it's his life. If he wants to take a risk like that, he can. Or was this just an incredibly embarrassing and silly thing to do? And he really should have known better at the age of 44 uh, and needed to be rescued before he got into serious difficulties right in the middle of the Atlantic. Just wondering. Um it is true that there is a history of people trying these manic ex escapades, you know, falling over waterfalls in barrels, which I cannot imagine anything sillier or more dangerous or more unattractive as an idea, but people do it. Um, however, in London particularly, you do get a lot of adventurers trying to swim across the, the Thames because it's a, well, the Thames is famous. It's a famous river around the world and it's tidal. So it's quite it's potentially quite a dangerous river so you do always get people trying to swim across even though there are signs all over the place saying please do not attempt to swim in this river there are a lot of cross currents it is very dangerous and the coast guard there the lifeguard there are constantly pulling people out of the water particularly australians apparently and you know it's quite 
it's quite tricky, really. Uh, on the one hand, you want to allow people you know, as much freedom as possible, but sometimes it's just dangerous and there may be dangers that people can't see. A lot of people, for example, when it comes to the Thames, don't realise that it is a very busy waterway. There are riverboats constantly going up and down there. People use it as a river taxi service. Um, you know, the chances of getting hit by a vessel or drowning or... There, there are a lot of things that can go wrong. There are a lot of things that can go wrong. King Dude is saying 9-11 launched the police state we currently live in in the US. Well, what I find heartbreaking, there are so many things I find heartbreaking about um, 11 September, but it was seeing what happened across the Middle East, what happened what happened to Iraq, to Afghanistan. You know, it's that whole region is such a mess and it's almost insoluble now. I don't, I don't really see how it can it can approve, improve soon. I, I, I can't see in, in, the, in the near future how the situation is going to get any better. Um, of course, I know a lot less about what happened in the US post-September the 11th, but it was a watershed. You know, it, was, it was an attack that caused huge seismic changes to the geopolitical situation all over the West, all over the Western world, all over the world. And, you know, I'd be interested to know what people's thoughts are about this, because obviously we got one perception of it in Britain. Um, you were there. You were in the heart of it, many of you. And your whole experience of that day and the aftermath uh, you know, will be is very significant and, and will be very different to ours. You know, we were very much watching from a distance. Um, the fact that I did have a relative who was there is a reminder that, of course, it was the World Trade Center. There were people from all over the world who were caught up in that tragedy. But, you know, it was primarily an attack on American soil. So I'm just curious about what the King Dude has put in the, into the chat room. Do elaborate anyone who wishes to phone in or write into the chat room what was your particular experience. But no one has been brave. No one has been brave enough to tell me what the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to them is, and were they, you know, would they ever feel able to face whoever it was who witnessed it? My son, yeah, I've admitted it's one of two of my children now. My son said after he threw up on the fairground ride, um, I, I said to him, you know, did your friends help you? And he said, yes, after they'd finished laughing. Um, let's face it, I probably would have been one of those friends if it had been me. And afterwards, he was like, I will never let this, I'll, I'll never live it down. I will never, ever be allowed to forget this. Um, so <laughs> maybe a paper bag over the head for school might be a good idea. Uh, but gentler question, do you like hot cross buns? Slightly more embarrassing question, do you ever make your bed or do you need a national day to remind you to tuck the duvet around? I cannot see how making a modern bed is even difficult, by the way. I can still just about remember bedclothes, you know, pre the continental quilt, you know, sheets and counterpanes and all the faff of having to make a bed that way. Uh, so I don't think any of us really have an excuse for not throwing our duvet over our bed every morning and plumping up the pillows. It is not difficult and it does help. Maggie, never had a hot cross bun? You have never had a hot cross bun? Ever? Okay, this is this was my first question. Have hot cross buns crossed the Atlantic? Do you get hot cross buns in the States? Because it's such a staple of um, English cuisine at a particular time of year here. Um, it's It's part of, it's almost... 
I won't say it's on a level with scones and jam, but, you know, it's something we all remember from childhood, particularly on Good Friday. And they are absolutely delicious. Maggie, if you've never had a hot cross bun, you must have a hot cross bun. Seriously, you cannot allow this um, allow this culinary treat to pass you by. Now, before we go to... Oh, hang on a second. No, no, I was going to move on, but Jacqueline has just written in the chat room. Okay, I'll share a story. I was treating sick, teaching sixth grade about 20 years ago, and right, right before my science class, they had one of those health classes in my room while I was doing lessons, and they were talking about the birds and the bees, of course. It was a little more elaborate than that. Yeah. Okay, that's um, that's that's pretty awkward. I mean, were you having to... um? You said it was before your class. Did you have to then answer all the questions uh, when, when, when people were interested? Um, just curious to know. Um, oh, I also had a nephew back in Oklahoma at the time who was celebrating his third birthday on September the 11th, 2001. Oh, gosh, his birthday is on September the 11th. Wow. Ah, oh, right, I can see where the story is going now, Jacqueline. The next class, we were talking about volcanoes and the differences between the different type of volcanoes. I went on to say that take me to a type of volcano was due to wild... <laughs> I went on to say um, the uh, type of volcano um, was due to wild erections versus eruptions. I used to say there was a wild eruption of laughter from my students. Oh, that's a wonderful Freudian slip, Jacqueline. That, thank you so much for sharing. That was very brave of you. That is really, really funny. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, actually, a friend of mine is a teacher. I'm being, I'm being naughty. I'm sharing other people's embarrassing stories, which is probably not, not quite cricket, really. Um, but a friend of mine said that one of her most embarrassing stories uh, as a teacher was that they were learning about Vietnam. She's a history teacher. And at the end of term, as a treat, they watched Forrest Gump. She had forgotten that there's a scene where Forrest Gump's mother sleeps with the head teacher, the principal of the school she wants him to go to. And she said she was sitting there cringing, thinking, oh, no, what have I done bringing this into my classroom? And just to make things as bad as possible, an autistic boy at the back of class went, yeah, how do you think I got into this school then? Yeah, she said that was awkward. Um Jacqueline saying, Ugh, I'm talk texting because I'm milking a goat. Don't you worry. That's I love the idea that you're in the chat room, that you're listening to the show and you're talk texting while milking your goats. There's something so wholesome about that. Yes. Maybe I should ask the next question before we go to the ad break. What are you all doing when you're listening to the early show? Are you tucked up in your bed having your morning cup of tea? Um, or are you milking your goats? Are, are you already on the road? Are you having your breakfast? Are you playing with your grandson? What are you doing when you listen, typically when you listen to the early show? I'm genuinely suddenly curious to know. OK, let me know in the chat room. Answers in the chat room. Uh, Jacqueline's saying, I took a cooking class in British schools when I was attending them. I learned how to make hot cross buns. Great. Do you know, I've no idea how to make a hot cross buns, but I'm always buying them. But maybe I should learn. I have a feeling I'd have a problem with the cross. It would end up all wiggly or something, but the taste would be okay. And I'm very, very fond of baking, so that would be a nice challenge for me. Anyway, we have to go to an ad break. If you're just joining us, you are listening to The Early Show, and you can get the whole of the show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. And we're talking about, well, the inevitable on this anniversary, National Hot Cross Bun Day, National Make Your Bed Day, and what is your most embarrassing experience ever? 
Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation. The early show will continue in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. All you early risers and insomniacs, and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday. For those of you just joining us, you are listening to The Early Show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella de Maria, who is going to have a coronary or need therapy if this awful music persists. Our call in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation as you enjoy our hearty full English breakfast. Bacon, eggs, sausages, fried bread, baked beans, fried tomato, mushrooms, black pudding, and even some hot cross buns to follow. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. So I've got to ask, what on earth was that music? Just what, what was that, that that sound that came through the speakers as I started as I started talking? Um, if you have just missed the show, if you missed the the, the I'm, I'm I'm stammering, so I'm still trying to work out what it was. If you missed the first segment, never fear. You can get the whole of the podcast, the whole of the show. Do you know? I think I might just start this whole second segment again. You can get the whole of the show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. But we have been talking about, well, this anniversary, it's 9th September, September the 11th. Sorry, I can't get used to calling it 9-11. We do it the other way around. September the 11th, a date in history no one can forget. To lighten things up, it is also National Hot Cross Bun Day, National Patriot Day, I'm not quite sure how you celebrate that really, or National Make Your Bed Day. No one has been brave enough yet to tell me if they really never make their bed unless it's National Make Your Bed Day. I'm curiously nosy, if that's not a tautology. I've also been asking what is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you after a Florida man was arrested for trying to run across the Atlantic to London in a giant inflatable hamster wheel. He was picked up 70 miles off the Georgia coast and arrested on grounds that he was using an unregistered and manifestly unsafe vessel. He also tried to kill him, threatened to kill himself with a knife if they didn't leave him alone and claimed he had a bomb on board. 
So can you imagine having a bomb rattling around in that? So yes, I'd say that was a pretty embarrassing thing to happen. Um, Dr. Torres, I am sorry. Yes, I did miss the first part of your comment. Um, I was asking where you all were on September the 11th and Dr. Torres is saying, I remember where I was on September 11th, 2001. I worked for Prudential at their headquarters in Horsham, PA. What's PA? Uh, Pennsylvania? Um, I was 25. I had Peking duck for dinner that day as I watched all the reporting on the attacks. Yeah, it's interesting the details you remember on a day like that. One of the things I remember when I was talking to this American couple on the train was finding it almost comical. They were a lovely couple. We had a, had a very friendly conversation. Um, but what I found almost comical was they were complaining about the state of the poached eggs in this country. They didn't, they didn't like the way we make poached eggs. And I was thinking, your country has just been through the biggest catastrophe since, what, Pearl Harbor, and you're worried about the poached eggs? But I suppose your mind tends to home in on little details you know, in moments of extreme stress. Um, I was also asking, what does everyone do when they're, when they're listening to the early show? I'm curious to know where people are, because Jacqueline was saying, you know, I'm talk texting while milking a goat. And I just love the idea that someone is listening to the early show and contributing to the chat room while milking their goats. And um, Maggie is saying, reading stories for Mike Church show, cooking breakfast for the King Dude and myself, and listening to the Fiorella Files, of course. Um, I think it's lovely that you cook... You, you cook a proper breakfast every day. I tend to sling a bit of bread in the toaster myself, but I think that's a really good way to start the day. Jeffy Mann is saying, sitting in my living room by the window, watching traffic, drinking coffee, and listening to Fiorella Files. That sounds so relaxing. That really does sound relaxing. Is there much traffic at that time of the morning? Um, Patriot 21, while listening to the show, I'm helping Jacqueline with farm chores, and then I get ready for work. Well, Jacqueline says, he takes care of the bunny barn. Oh, I think that's a wonderful job. I'd love to be in charge of the bunny barn. But none of the bunnies would ever get sold for meat or otherwise if I were in charge of the bunny barn. I'd get so attached to them. Okay, King Dude is explaining what that music was about. Okay, I knew I put my foot in it. Um, this band, Muse, wrote this song about the aftermath of 9-11. Sorry, I, I was waiting and waiting for the words to start so I'd understand what the song was about. But I think there is no song. It's just sounds and things. Falkhorn, I noticed this as well. Falkhorn, I'm so glad it wasn't just me. Just realised how much that song sounds like the old Doctor Who theme. I actually thought it was the Doctor Who theme to start with. Um, it, it does have very, very similar resonances. There's something about the synthesizer, those, those sort of wow, wow music sounds. You know, um, but it, it obviously wasn't meant to be the Doctor Who theme. But that was one of the reasons I got very, very confused. Um, Jacqueline said, during the offertory yesterday at Mass... They were playing some music on the organ. I didn't notice, but my grandson whispered it was creepy music. And I realised it was correct. It sounded like the music from a horror show. Or well, I tell you something. Um, speaking of music that sounds like it belongs in a horror show. When a friend of mine got married, she had a very posh wedding at Warder Castle, which is where all the toffs, or people who think they're toffs, get married. If you're Catholic and upper class in, in that part of the country. Warder Castle. It, it, Warder Castle is, is the... I think the inspiration behind Brideshead, to give you some idea of the sort of status it has. And it was a beautiful wedding, very classy. As they were processing out the, the bride and groom, the organist was playing this frenetic piece of music. I mean, stunning music, stunningly performed. But I just thought, just me, or is there something a bit weird about this? And my soon-to-be husband, who was a choral scholar, whispered in my ear, 
well, this is weird. Um, I wonder if they know what this music is about. It's um, it's about the souls being tormented in hell. Uh, which I, I didn't seem to me to be the best piece of music to celebrate the beginning of your married life, and they obviously did not know what the significance of it was. But it did sound like a soul being tormented in hell, to be quite honest. Um, so yes, I think your your grandson has um has discernment. Sometimes children, children and elderly people tend to be very good at picking up things like that. I don't know if the abomination that is, if I were a butterfly has ever made it to the US, whether we've ever been kind enough to export what is possibly the worst hymn ever written. If I were a butterfly, I thank you, God, for giving me wings. And it's just a list of animals and all the ways in which they would thank God and all the lovely things they'd um, they'd thank God for. It is really, really shockingly bad. But because it's a sort of kiddie hymn about animals, it always gets trotted out at children's masses or family masses. And every time I hear it, I am reminded of the awful day or the blessed day when the hymn started, everyone started half-heartedly singing, except for Joan, God rest her dear soul, who was very deaf and very forthright and said at the top of her voice, I'm not singing this rubbish. Uh, so yes, I think, I think we should listen. Um, we should definitely listen to children and people of a certain age who, who are old enough not to care what anyone thinks when they come out with their opinions about music. And you should take me seriously too. I'm neither a child nor elderly, but I, I can tell you what I think about dreadful music, okay? There we go. My son has lamented I will never be a metalhead. Oh, Jacqueline is explaining that the bunny barn has roosters in it and they like to screech in his ears. He doesn't like it very much. It's his penance. Yes, that would drive me crazy. I mean, I, that would really put me on edge quite badly, I think, if it were me. But there we go. Okay. Embarrassing embarrassing stories. Yes, we've got the, the bloke who tried to run the Atlantic. Um, I think this might actually, in terms of really, really silly situations, so this time it was the, the police who were made to look really stupid. Police were called, yeah, to... The North Sea Observatory in Chapel St. Leonard's in Lincolnshire last week because members of the public had reported that a ritual mass murder had occurred. Now, we don't really have many instances of cults, you know, where everyone commits suicide or someone kills everybody and then commits suicide. But there had been this report of this ritual mass murder. Members of the public saw people lying on the floor in very odd formation, lifeless. And this caused a panic and the police burst in to try to apprehend the murderer before it was too late. Um, it turned out that they were disturbing a yoga class. Yeah. Yoga teacher Millie Laws... Uh, reassured the police that it was all fine. She thought, in fact, because they were, they were going to arrest her as the mass murderer, um, she thought initially it was a joke, and really it should have been. Um, but she said the, the students were laying down with blankets over them. Their eyes were closed. It's very dark in there, 
I just had candles and little tea lights lit the whole room. I was just walking around playing my drum. I had a nice floaty top on with large bell sleeves. Um, a couple with some dogs just came up to the window. They were having a look in, but they walked off really quickly and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't know that these people had phoned in saying there was a mass murderer wearing a robe and walking over all the people. It looked like some kind of ritual and the people on the floor were dead. Um, she reassured the police that though it was surreal and quite funny, um, it's it's okay. It was okay. She, she hadn't, in fact, killed anyone. And she did say, I feel really bad for whoever the person was who phoned the police because they probably were really terrified. Um, probably also felt a d little bit silly. Um, the police confirmed the call was made with good intentions. We're happy to report everyone was safe and well. The police generally, I mean, you know my feelings about the police, but um, if a person makes a call that turns out to be a wild goose chase, as long as it's made with clearly good intentions, the emergency services in general do not mind. They don't mind going out. If it turns out that it was a false alarm, but the person made the call genuinely believing there was an emergency, they don't tend to mind. They only get angry if it's a hoax call. Um, so the police were probably quite relieved when they got there to find that no one had been murdered. They were just doing some yoga exercises. But if I were the couple who'd made the call i'd probably feel a teeny weeny bit silly you know um afterwards dr torres i don't know what you're asking to do king dude next time play a little blue oyster cult don't fear the reaper when returning from the ad break that'll get fiorella files i've no idea what that is but it sounds dreadful um I'm going to be bracing myself. Do you, do you realise I'm, I'm now starting to get edgy when it, get, when, it gets to the, when it gets to the end of the ad break? Part of me is sitting here at the microphone thinking, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? It's going to be something really weird and I'm going to be stammering over, over my words. Um, so it's, I think it's becoming a bit of a... Oh, hang on. Maggie, Maggie's saying, LOL, Blue Oyster Cult. Fun fact, Maggie saw them live in Lake Charles back in the day. Blue Oyster Cult? That's actually the name of a band? Um... Right, well, I'll take your word for it. Um, Foghorn is saying, on 9-11, I remember being at work. It was a Tuesday. The thing that stood out to me was how my drive home was so very orderly. Instead of normal traffic jam, everyone merged and yielded in a very orderly fashion. On a happier note, my wife discovered she was pregnant with my son two days later. Oh, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Um I think it's interesting you saying, Falcon, about how people were so very orderly. I think sometimes when something really catastrophic happens, people automatically readjust their priorities. Suddenly rushing home as quickly as possible is maybe slightly less of an issue and maybe just getting home safely might be more, more the thing. It was very noticeable. I, mean, I was still at school myself at the time. It was something that was reported later. Um, when in the 90s we had the Dunblane shooting, the only school shooting we have ever had in Britain, uh, where a man went into a primary school and, and sh shot a whole class of five-year-olds. It was absolutely devastating. It's, it was one of those things people were talking about in hushed tones for years afterwards. Um, everyone knows where they were when it happened. I remember being in class and hearing about it. But it was commented upon by teachers particularly teachers at primary school, that normally at the end of the school day, a lot of 
harassed looking parents are standing at the school gate saying come on Jemima hurry up please please you know, we've, got, we've got a violin lesson no no we've got to go we've got to go no where, where are your shoes where is your coat oh, hurry up please we're going to be late we're going to be late you've got to be here you've got to be swimming you've got to go swimming um you've got to go skating whatever just hurry up um and the day after the Dun Blaine shooting parents were just completely quiet and as soon as the children arrived you know appeared at the classroom door it was oh darling let, let me just give you a hug no, no, don't hug me in front of my mates. Oh, no, no, please, let me just, let me just give you a hug. Oh, it's so lovely. I'm, I'm so happy, and, and I'm so happy you're here. And it was just a completely different scenario. It's, you wouldn't have known these were the same parents, the same school, the same environment. But suddenly, getting to the violin lesson on time, or the swimming, or the skating, or the gymnastics just didn't seem that important. It really didn't. People were just living in the moment a lot more. Dr. Torres saying, anyway, I'm getting ready when the show is going, in the shower, out of the shower, getting dressed, uh, making my lunch, pouring my coffee to the car and off to the office. Uh, your show ends by the time I arrive at the office at 6.30. Perfect. That isn't that great timing. Couldn't have, couldn't have organised it better. Um, what is cowbell? What is more cowbell? Um Oh, dear. This is something else you want Mike to do to really confuse me. Um, Dr. Torres, speaking of making beds, I make mine every morning. I can't stand crawling into an unmade bed. I remember a story you mentioned some time ago about how some um, don't change their bedclothes for more than a year, something like that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, that was one of those really, really stomach-churning stories, wasn't it? I, I just... Um, too horrible. Yeah. Um King Dude, you want me to play the suicide song for Fiora of the Files? She would literally walk out of the studio and quit for the day, awash in tears over the fact that dreadful music actually was recorded. Um, the suicide song? There is such a thing? Oh, please don't do this to me. Um, uh, Dr. Torres saying, I bet it was a good show. Real music by real musicians is so underrated. Um, I'm going to admit to something here. Maybe this is my embarrassing fact of the show. I have never been to a pop concert in my entire life. I have never heard a band play live. I have been to and performed in many classical concerts, but never have I been to a pop concert. Okay, there we are. I'll just leave that one there. That's going to be something you're going to put on the list when I do my US book tour. Someone is going to take me to listen to the Pogues or something. Um CRT, oh, well, yes, beds. I make mine every day. And by some chance I can't before, if, if by some chance I can't before I leave, I make it as soon as I get home. There, right. Seems like we have, oh, crumbs, more more songs. Maggie, yes, it was an outdoor concert during the summer, so much respect to the band. How can anyone go that long without washing their bed linen? That is so nasty. I um, wash our bed linen at least once a week. Well, that's what I do. I, I can't bear just the idea of it just makes me cringe thinking about it um and i don't know i'm obviously getting to that kind of age but there is something very soothing about curling up in bed between nice clean fabric conditioner scented bed sheets there is just something really nice about that how sad is that that is something i regard as a treat i just i like that moment in the week um the King Do, Don't Fear the Reaper is a song about committing suicide. No, please don't do this to me, Mike. Why would anybody even write a song like that? 
Um, it reminds me of that woman, um, Phoebe from Friends, you know, who's who's always writing songs about her mother's her mother's suicide. She's like, hey, I have a song about a snowman and twenty seven new songs about my mother's suicide. It is the top of the hour on that happy note, and you are listening to the early show with your hostess from across the pond. Fiorella de Maria. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. We have been talking about September the 11th, where you were when you heard the news or saw the reports. National Hot Cross Bun Day. Do you eat hot cross buns in the US, or is this a British invention that has never made it across the channel? Across the channel, across the pond. National Make Your Bed Day. It appears that most of you do make your bed in the morning. I am so glad to hear that. You've no idea how relieved I am that people make their beds and mostly wash their bed linen on a regular basis too. Civilization is not completely lost if we can all actually you know, change our bed linen regularly and make our beds. This seems to be a, a good sign somehow. Um <laughs> It is also National Patriot Day, and I was asking, what is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Because a Florida man was arrested by Coast Guard and is facing criminal charges when he tried to run to London across the Atlantic in a giant inflatable hamster wheel he had made. And not only did he get arrested for being in possession of a manifestly dangerous, unseaworthy vessel, um, but he also threatened to commit suicide when they uh, tried to get him off the wheel, glorified oil drum with balloons, I think, and then claimed he had a bomb on board. Um, it does seem to me he was very, very desperate to run across the Atlantic. I mean, I don't know, maybe should he have been allowed to get on with it? I don't know. Um, also, police were called to a yoga class in Lincolnshire over here because members of the public thought that it was a ritual mass murder. There were a lot of bodies in odd poses under blankets in the dark with a woman in a flowing robe beating a drum around them. Uh, they thought she had killed them, was sending them off with drum beats and then presumably was going to top herself or something. The police took it very well. Uh, <laughs> um, hang on a second. Um, Yes, uh, CRM1. I'm not going to even ask. Because I think if I make too much of a fuss, he will put Don't Fear the Reaper at the end of the show. And then, then you know, it will, mind you, there'll be no fun in that because I won't be able to re respond when I won't be able to react. It's always after the first ad break, isn't it? So that you can all hear me go, I can't remember what I should say. Um, CRM114, my wife took the kids out of school. We didn't know if the morning events was just a warm up. So whatever happened, um, they were together. I was stuck at work. Yes, I can see. Um, I can see why you would do that because, as you say, how, how would you know that there weren't going to be more attacks coordinated throughout the day? That would have been would have been absolutely my instinct if, if I'd had children at the time. Um, Jacqueline saying I was teaching sixth grade at the aforementioned school on 9/11. Parents picked up their children throughout the day. I was watching the news between classes and saw the second plane hit the towers. It was surreal. I remember seeing that, and I think that is what shocked so many people about the footage, because, of course, as soon as the first plane hit, the cameras of the world were trained on the World Trade Center, and so so many of us around the world saw that second plane hit, and I just... 
I can I can remember it as if it was yesterday. And then the moment where the whole thing just came down and realising how many people must be trapped inside. I and mean, it was just horrible. I, I still feel quite queasy even remembering it. And what they did over here, I don't know um, if the reporting was similar in the US, but over here it's regarded as very taboo to film people dying or to film dead bodies. It's regarded as very disrespectful to the dead that to, to do that. I suppose it's, it's to try to prevent death being used for entertainment. Um, so you virtually never get footage of people in the process of dying or actual dead bodies. And if you... Uh, if they do, it's it's always flagged up with, you know, people may find this disturbing, you may wish to switch off at this point, you know, to trigger warnings. But of course, because nobody quite knew what was going to happen, you did see a lot of people dying. And I remember when you saw people throwing themselves out of the windows, from ground level, you couldn't see very much. You could just see these figures, these dark, these dark figures falling out of the windows. And the reporter was saying, oh, um, I believe that's actually... Um, bits of glass and and uh and wood and things falling falling off the side of the building you know the the, the cladding falling off the the side of the building it's, it looks like people are throwing themselves out but actually i think it's just the you know the, the outer kind of shell of the building starting to come away um you know he he said that i don't know whether he actually thought that was the case from the distance he was seeing or whether they were just putting that out to try to reassure people that they weren't watching people jumping to their deaths um i, I don't quite know um uh, Jack, I thought you were, I thought you were referring to the mash theme, King Dude. I don't even know what that is. Sorry, wrong time, wrong country. I never watched mash. Doctor Torres, my last concert was a British band, Keen, um, and I'm British and I don't know who Keen are. This is bad. I th I think you know we deliberately get onto the subject of popular music so that I'll sound like an idiot. Um, Lady Bell, I mean, saying I remember the phone calls that were played on TV from people in floors too high to reach. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's wow. It's it's really overwhelming just just even remembering all of that. But who remembers? I mean, the the one call that really stands in my mind because they replayed this when it was the twentieth anniversary was the call from the plane where a man, was it Scott, his name? They were going to try and overpower the hijackers. They knew it was almost certainly futile, but they were going to have a go at fighting back. And that he asked the the woman on ground control he was speaking to to pray with him. And they prayed the Our Father. And it was just so haunting hearing that just before they died, just before they made that last stand. But there was just something so admirable about that group just saying, we're not just going to go down as passive victims. We are going to try to save our people. Um, it was it was just an incredible moment. This is one thing, I mean, there were so many moments that stood out, but that was one of those moments that really I could never forget. Um, good morning, Schaefer. Lady Bell, I mean, I drive to work during your show. I need to enable talk and text to contribute more. Yes, please do. That's nice. Because I love it when people sign into the chat room because, I mean, I know there are a lot of people listening who aren't in the chat room, but there's just something, you know, I get to know you all, you see. Um, uh, Philip is saying, the people jumping started a new market for executive parachutes. Never let a tragedy get in the way of invention, I suppose. Oh, seriously, um... Did, did, did people actually do that? Please tell me you're joking. 
Um, I know a lot of people did try. Um, they they were using umbrellas and curtains and drapes and things like that, anything they could get hold of. But of course, because of gravity, things got pulled out of their hands. Um, I remember, in fact, there was this this um, Baptist couple who were at a conference I was speaking at not not very long after it, and. They were saying, oh, you know, it just showed how far we've come. You know, people were throwing themselves, people were committing suicide. And as far as I understood it, what they were doing would not have been regarded as suicide because if you're fleeing a burning building, um, it might be, in fact, your last opportunity quite possibly to survive. Okay, the chances of surviving jumping out of a window 50 floors up, holding onto a tablecloth were absolutely minuscule. But if you stayed in the building, you were definitely going to die. And that was my understanding that what they did was not would not have been regarded as suicide because they were fleeing an even greater danger. None of them wanted to die. That was that was my understanding. Um Yes, Shafi, you're in you're in the chat room. Oh yes, you're only reading spelling errors. Well, you do realise that pretty much everything looks like a spelling error to me because we write differently. Um, I have, however, learnt some little things about American English spelling because I do Wordle, and sometimes Wordle does British spelling, and sometimes Wordle does American spelling, and it's teaching me the difference beautifully. Um, Denise M, late today, slept in Jacob's bed. Sorry, slept in Jacob's bed because he's having nightmares. Rough night. Oh, poor darling. I'm so sorry. Um, that's a really tough time. Is it? Is it night terrors where they, you know, they just really scream? Because all of mine went through that phase, and I don't know what they're dreaming of even, but they all went through that, and it's really heartbreaking just hearing them absolutely screaming the place down and being really difficult to console. Um, we used to um, we used to be told to keep them cool. Apparently, temperature change can um, if they get overheated, they're much more prone to nightmares. So, as soon as they started screaming, we'd be pulling off bedclothes and things like that, trying to calm them down. But no, it's a really tough it's a really tough time. So sorry you're going through that, Denise. Um, King Dude, what's this? Johnny Mandel Mandel did the theme song to the movie Mash, which was called Suicide Is Painless. Okay, I'm I'm not feeling any good reasons to watch this series. Schaefer should have tried to going full Mythbusters, grab a sheet of plywood. Honest questions, I don't know. How many execs died that day in the towers? Um, I've no idea. Um, I, d I don't know what the final toll was um, because I think. Oh, I see. I mean, that they, they weren't there. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of. Um, oh, King Dude is saying. Andrew Codevilla wrote a series for The Spectator on the myth of the falling man. Um, the myth of the falling man? I thought he did fall. Okay, maybe maybe it's something. Um, Schaefer, if you do Wordle, try Quirdle, or if you're insane like me, Octurdle. Schaefer, I'm embarrassed to admit that I do Wordle, I do Quirdle, I do Quirdle sequence, I do Octurdle, and I don't do Octurdle sequence which is completely insane and i'm absolutely hooked i love word games the one word game so the two word games i couldn't get into were blossom and wordiply wordiply because i actually thought it was too easy i don't think it's that difficult to find a really long word um, out of three letters but blossom i just i don't know just didn't appeal so i couldn't get into it um oh denny sam saying that uh doodlebugs he's not screaming just crying and incoherent yeah 
I, did, I remember one time when there was when one of my children, he he woke up really, really, really screaming. He had a terrible face. I think he was worst out of all of them for night terrors. And he said, there's something growing out of my eye. I thought, because that's really, really frightening. And he, he had to bury his head in my pillow because it was the only thing that would stop it. I thought, where did you get that from? Where, where do these things appear? Um, Schaefer, Octodal has three modes. Regular, where you solve eight at a time. Sequential, yeah, that's the one I've done. But your guesses carry over to the next. And rescue, where they give you a mess to fix. I haven't seen rescue. Yes, I shall have to try it. Okay. Um, love Octurtle, do it before bed every night. I do it first thing in the morning. It's about the only time my brain is sharp enough. Um, Schaefer, I did lose once in the past week, though it was a coin flip guess on last answer. Yes, I, I hate it when that happens. It drives me crazy. Um, sometimes, you know, when it could be one of two or sometimes one of three words and they're all equally valid um, and possible. But yes, sometimes you just have to make a guess. I do love Octodle, though, and I do like the sequence version the most because there's, there's something very satisfying about the way it sort of goes shoom, to the next word and then on and on and on and on. Yeah. So, yes. I do love a good word game. Anyone else addicted to Wordle, Quirdle, Quirdle sequence, Octurdle, you name it, um, you can do it now. I'm just wondering when the bubble's going to burst because it's actually got to the point at the ice rink where one of the first questions the skating mums ask you know, when we congregate in the cafe is, anyone done Wordle yet? No, no, don't tell me. I haven't done mine yet. Um, that's why we have to do it first thing. Um, so, well, it's a, it's a good, harmless endeavor but anyone else you have one minute to tell me anyone else admit that you never make your bed or is everyone very very good here anyone else want to admit to the most embarrassing experience in the last minute you have just one minute anyone else wish to educate me on really really bad music finally do you eat hot cross buns am i the only person Am I the only person who eats hot cross buns? They are truly wonderful. If you have missed them, you must find a British shop. These 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 British tea rooms, you know, they must serve hot cross buns. I'd be amazed if they don't. Ah, Denise, um, I do wordscapes. Always make the bed. Okay, so you always make your bed. That's great. And you do wordscapes. I used to do wordscapes. I, I used to do wordscapes all the time. I got, I got a little bit addicted, so I got rid of it. But yes, I, word games are great. Mike, do you do word games? Mike, are you even there? Okay, there's a sound of a TARDIS materialising in Mike's studio. Just give him a moment. Mike? No, he's bunked off. Um, Weiselberger wife, I make, I made hot cross buns for Good Friday. They were amazing. Thank you. That is just wonderful. Good Friday hot cross buns. And by the way, secularists are trying to say now that it's not really hot cross buns. That it's not a cross. It's actually four quarters. And it's supposed it's a pagan thing to symbolize the four seasons. It isn't. It is hot cross buns because there is a cross on it and it's connected with the cross. It is therefore a Christian symbol. That's not going to be something they're going to take away from us. They're trying to take everything else. Um, I did yes, not Denise. know that that's what uh, a hot cross bun was. Yeah. I have seen cross. Them. It's the clue. The clue is in the name. Cross. Yeah. Well, no, I've seen the bun with the uh, with the cross on it. Yeah. Great. I've never. Can, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see them often, but I ha I have seen them. Well, who's trying to ban the hot cross bun? 
No, they're not trying to ban them, but they're sort of trying to tone them down. So you get some people putting out the alternative narrative that they're oh. not really... Yeah, it's a, or you get um, bakers doing sort of smiley face buns and things like that, and flower buns, and that to avoid putting a cross on. But most of them do crosses because it's actually a lot easier. Let's talk about suicide for a moment. So why MASH, the TV show, is, is funny. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, okay, so it's a show. It, it's based on a movie. MASH stands for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. So uh, they made a movie, and it was about this particular platoon, this MASH platoon that was in the Korean War. And uh, um, I'm trying to remember who was in it. Uh, They based the TV show on the film MASH, and and the theme song for the film was Suicide is Painless by Johnny Mandel. Uh, nobody, a few people will, will, will even remember, I could probably find it and play it for you, uh, remember the song, because it had, because everyone knows the melody. It's a, it's a show tune. Yeah, before but, my time, I'm afraid. Uh, no. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess it would, it would have been before your time. Uh, but it's a show tune, and they put some lyrics to it. Johnny Mandel put some lyrics to it, uh, Suicide is Painless, to describe the misery of what it was like working in a, uh, in a mobile army surgical hospital in the Korean mm-hmm. War. Yep. So that's... that's Sounds awful. So that's what... But the, the TV show, though, was, was, was hysterical. Uh, it was very funny. Uh, Alan Alda and uh, oh gosh, who? Wayne Rogers. Wayne Rogers um, How is that funny though? I, I, I mean, I they make comedy funny. out of they make comedy out of their misery. And well, I suppose uh, that we do we do this actually. We have a lot of wartime things that that are funny, but they shouldn't be. Yeah. Oh, Maggie found the uh, there. There's the theme song. Yeah. In 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 the chat room. Um, uh, so in, in any event, uh, <laughs> I guess that's how the suicide songs came up. Uh, you would not want me to play "Don't Fear the Reaper" because it's about it's a teenage uh, it's a it's a, a kind of heavy metal hard rock 1970s song that people say is classic rock, but it's it's about a pair of young people uh, uh, contemplating killing themselves. That's literally what the mm-hmm. song is about. "Don't Fear the Reaper" is "Don't Fear." Dying. It's just, it's just horrible. I'm sorry. It I is horrible. Yeah. I, I wouldn't play it. I, I, I don't have the song. I wouldn't play it. All right. Okay. Okay. So the, 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 the dreadful music song that I played for for you, that you said was 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 so horrible, is by a band <laughs> is by a band called Muse. And if you read the poetry of the lyrics, you might actually you might actually uh, uh, appreciate it. Because it's all about paranoia will resume. It, it's all about the, the, what happened after 9-11. Oh, okay. Well, um, my, my son informed me that I will never be a metalhead. <laughs> no, you don't want to be a metalhead is demonic. It's satanic. There's oh, right, no other okay. way to describe it. it it's straight up satanic. Well, he told me that there's lots of different kinds of metal. It's not all like that. Well, the death metal is like one of the most popular ones. I don't even know how anyone could listen to that. Well, he promised me he doesn't do death metal. So it's too weird. He doesn't do death metal. He he promised me he doesn't do that. So, but he does metal? 
Yes. <laughs> this is it's like this is revenge. This is <laughs> It drives me crazy. I do have I don't want to become I don't want to you know because there's a stereotype of the middle-aged parent saying, "Will you turn that bloody noise down?" And I I don't want to be like that, but just yesterday I had to say, "Will you please switch that off?" I just <laughs> I'm going crazy. <laughs> uh I I probably would have joined you in that. Um uh, if you want to play that put headphones on, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. That was my feeling. Um, <laughs> it's and he said, I said he knew he knew I was going to say that. He was just waiting. Look, um, and a, a, a Dahlberger in the chat room says he had a mash party for the last episode. Uh, Fiorella, it was the most watched television show in all of TV history for like 20 years. It held a record. Wow. Uh, I think that it was eclipsed by the season finale of the TV show Sh Cheers probably 10, 12 years later. Um, uh, as the most watched television show in history, uh, people oh. loved Mash. You got to remember, this is before cable. Yeah. So I forget which night uh, Mash came on, but and this is back when if you did a, if you did a TV series, you had twenty six episodes, uh, twenty right. twenty four to twenty six episodes, and people look forward to it. They you know they kind of build their schedule around what night of the week Mash came on. And it was number one. It was a number one TV show for uh, for uh, for years. Um, it was just about these people dealing with the tragedy that was war, basically. So, so I want to say that Norman Lear had a hand in producing it. Uh, the 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 great TV producer. He, uh, it, it, it's one of those shows that you know you take something that actually happened and turn it into comedy. But there's also this this current that's running through it that war and death are real and they're really terrible and bad and we should never want them. Sure. So it's respectful to the dead. I think that's where it works, Barry. isn't it? Yeah. Well, the whole show is yeah. about getting out of Korea. Yeah. I think um, that's where British comedies about the Second World War are also like that. You know, they, they don't mock the dead. They they mock you know the people who caused the war. They you know the, the, the all sorts of other things, but they're very respectful about the dead. So you know that's that's understandable. Now there is a wonderful article today that we will be talking about coming up on the uh, on the on the show. Uh, in the, uh, on the pages of the Wall Street Journal today, dressing like a 1950s housewife is not just for trad wives. Bright red oh. lipstick, curled hairs, high heels, full skirts, feminists and trad wives alike are embracing the mid-century look. And she starts the article Good off. Heavens. Well, she starts the article off. Do you dread going to the airport now because of the state of people's dress? I do. <laughs> people well, dress so, horribly when's the last time you flew uh a while ago but i think people dress horribly anyway oh they, they're it's awful 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 as a matter of fact i have to fly thursday uh this week to go to cincinnati to the catholic land movement conference uh so mm -hmm. i uh, i actually get an eyeful and of course i provide the counter to that you know i i uh, I, I, uh, I fly in a three-piece suit basically Mm -hmm. um, and then people go like, why do you want that? I had a guy sitting next, next to me once and asked me what the deal with the threads was. And I, and I was like, well, it's the first time someone's going to see me. I want to look presentable. I don't want them to think I'm a slob. Then he just mm -hmm. rolled out of bed and threw some some uh, some flip-flops and a pair of cargo short pants on. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's a, also there's a wonderful article today at uh, the I don't know if you know her, but she would be a good Fiorello, uh, a Fiorello uh, early show interview, I think. Uh, feminism and Marxism were spawned out of the same zeitgeist or zeitgeist, and it's an interview with my friend Jennifer Bryson. And uh, okay. do you know Jennifer? I don't, but I probably should do. She uh, it's a very interesting story. She was a feminist power a power woman. Uh, she had it all. She mm -hmm. made millions of dollars. Uh, she was free and independent. She ran a company. Uh, she was at the top of the corporate game. Uh, and then she hit 40. And uh, midlife crisis. And uh, the, she came back to the faith in her 40s and realized that she had, because she was you know, confirmed and, and baptized and what have you, but had fallen away, and realized that you know she had missed out on mothering and uh, being uh, the vocation of being a wife and a mother and uh, it was too late so she couldn't <laughs> she couldn't find a husband uh, and, and she couldn't get into to uh, pursue that in earnest uh, and then she decided well maybe I can just go uh, I'll uh, commit my life uh, the rest of my life to Christ and I'll go join a monastery a convent well most of the sister orders wouldn't take her in either because she was too old I can't believe they did that. Oh, she Jesus. she discerned with several orders, and there were there were grave concerns about about her age. So finally, she is in Austria now with Sir Charles Coulomb, not Wick Charles, but kind of sort. And she basically uh, aids and assists at a uh, at, at a church. Uh, and, and a rectory uh, for a, a large Catholic population, you know, to help the priest and do what she can. Uh, it's a wonderful, it's an interesting story uh, and yeah. perspective of what happened to her. Anyway, at the European Conservative uh, website today, there's a story, they, they interviewed Jennifer. I've interviewed her a couple of times here on, on the show, so I, I kind of feel vindicated that like, hey, well, I knew Jennifer Bryson five years ago. Well, I knew the know, story. I yeah, I would love to inter interview her on the early show sometime. I will send you her Skype. She's on Skype. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for that tip. And 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 uh, now you're younger than I am, so you may oh, yeah. or may not r recall this. Do you recall, and I'm going to ask the audience this question, and none of them will answer because they're going to chat about whatever they're going to chat about, but I'll try anyway. <laughs> Do you recall what it was like traveling on 9-10-20-2001? And before, um, oh no, I do. Yes, I do remember how different flights were before that. Yeah, um, it was uh, traveling was almost uh, uh, enjoyable. Uh, something you kind of look forward to. Oh, I'm taking a plane trip. This will be awesome. Well, of course, bear, bear in mind, we had uh, quite a bit of security in Britain because of the the IRA. I mean, they didn't tend to target planes, in fact. But post Lockerbie, ah, ah, okay. there was there was more. Um, you know, because there was just a lot more fear after that, and that, of course, that was a, that was an American airline, wasn't it? Pan Am. It just it uh, happened to fall. Lockerbie, Lockerbie was a yeah. Pan Am. Yeah, I mean, it just happened to fall over over Britain, but it it was actually an American plane. But there was already a fair amount of security. But yes, it got massively ramped up. What I never did before September the 11th was internal flights, which were probably a lot more relaxed. So, so they ultimately found the uh, the people, the the two guys that uh, that planted that bomb were Libyans. Yeah. Uh, uh, Al Magrahi and I'm trying to think of the other guy's name. Uh, uh, Seymour Hirsch was one of those journalists that just 
kept digging and digging and digging and finally just basically unraveled the whole thing. You know how they got, you know what they did? They put a bomb in a boom box, literally. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they took that uh, that, that plane and it was uh, it had a timer on it. Yeah. So um, so uh, all all of that we'll just, we'll talk about that. But uh, prior to 9/11, um, I can remember flying many many times, and uh, uh, this is even before you were booking inter uh, uh, airfare <laughs> on the internet. You might have to call the airline actually and get on the phone. <laughs> what does that feel like? I can't remember. Or you might even have this thing called a travel agent. Imagine that. Oh, yeah, I remember those just about. <laughs> but you would look forward to it. Sometimes, you know, back in the day, your tickets would arrive via the mail. Yeah. You'd wait for your airline ticket to come, <laughs> to come in the mailbox. <sighs> And, <laughs> and you you would look forward to it. I can remember taking my children, my daughters, on a on, on a trip. Uh, I was working out in San Francisco and took them to San Francisco, and it was uh, it was the it was the flight. It was the time uh, time of their little lives. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, uh, you know you didn't have any of the security. When when I'll never forget the last flight that I took pre 9/11 was from San Francisco back to New Orleans, and uh, the girl's mother was waiting for them. Um, at the concourse when you used to be able to do that. Yes. You used to be able to park your car, walk inside the airport, and go to the actual gate where you would exit the plane and wait for your loved one or your friend or whatever to, uh, to get off the plane. Yeah, they, they didn't do that here. You, you, you waited in arrivals. No. You, I mean, you would wait in arrivals, but you could go into the concourse here. So you could actually go to the gate where the where the plane disembarked, where where where, where the where the gate got out. That's what it was like flying, kitties, before uh, before 9/11 and the TSA and all that. What I most missed was before 9/11 when I used to fly to Malta. I knew the um I knew the one of the pilots. He always used to fly me, and he'd let me sit in the jump seat, you know, in the um in the in the cabin. What do you really? After, yeah. Um, and we'd chat. It would just be lovely. But um, following 9-11, of course, they had to stop that because they were worried about hostages. Yes. Uh, yeah. So much uh, so much changed. So much was lost. Uh, just a, it's, a, it's a tragic, tragic, tragic day. Um, yeah. uh, there's nothing good about it. Uh, nothing I, nothing uh, the good that I can think of. In any event, I, that's what we'll be talking about today. And uh, we shall see you tomorrow. Indeed. Have a good day. It is half past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from Thundery, England. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the chat room is open for your commentary at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. And I'll leave you with the king dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be.